Welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Uh, so we're going to uh, actually dive into a question uh, from Laura uh, about thyroid. Really simple, but you know, there's a lot to unpack with that. But uh, just to you know, kind of give everybody a little bit of an update, uh, we moved as of late. We did. We're still in Washington State. We still have the same office, but we moved homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, officially um, today's Monday, um, so we officially uh, moved a week ago, but uh, unofficially moved a week ago, but officially as of last Wednesday. So it's only been not even five days, basically five days yet. Um, beautiful place in the woods, you know, twenty acres, you know, <laughs> nice and isolated. Uh, we were almost too isolated. It's so quiet. Well. The last one, we were on a uh, kind of a scenic highway that was really busy and lots of traffic in the summertime. Uh, and that, you know, to be honest, you know, that got to be a little annoying because it was just, you know, cars racing by all the time, loud, uh, you know, people. I mean, you couldn't go too fast on the road, but people are always trying to pass. And, and out, there's a, f- a straight stretch right in front of our uh, our last house. And that be the spot that everybody's always trying to pass. So the motorcycles were loud and, you know, summertime was just a lot of traffic. So uh, it is a little strange, though. It's so quiet. Uh, I know you got freaked out when you heard the tree fall in the woods yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, most noise we, the most noise we've heard in like three days was literally a tree falling down in the woods. And then it happened again the next day. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's normal or not, but it was it was very odd. Uh, it was really relatively pretty close too, because it really made a. Or it sounded like it, but when we tried to walk into the forest, we didn't see anything. So maybe that yeah. sound carries or something. Uh, pretty dense back there. We haven't had a chance to explore it too much yet, but uh, nonetheless, uh, so far so good. Um, you know, we're an, enjoying it. A um, little bit of solitude and isolation, trying to get used to that, but you know, it isn't that hard. No, no, no. Yeah. And even though we have been unpacking, we still really wanted to keep continuing with the podcasts and just keep that real consistent. Yeah. So uh, why don't we, uh, uh, oh, and uh, of course the, uh, the dogs, they certainly love the, the new space. They've been, you know, kind of lounging around. It's been hot. It's been like in the mid eighties the last few days. So they've been kind of trying to find shade as much as they can, but they seem to really be enjoying it as well. So uh, why don't you go ahead and read the question from Laura? We'll kind of just dive in. Okay. So this question from Laura, but That's not her real name because we do change names just for privacy. But this one is actually a question that came from a previous podcast, uh, Progress Your Health podcast number 38. Do you have low free T3 level? So Laura says, I'm on 25 micrograms of levothyroxine for six years with hypo symptoms. Everyone exclamation mark. My endocrinologist just took a panel. My TSH was 2.36. Free T4, 1.1. Free T3, 2.9. Should we up my dose of levothyroxine to 50 micrograms? Or should I just switch to Synthroid or Armor? Question mark. Thank you. Yeah. Now, 
on the surface, like I said, that's a really simple question, but you kind of dive into that. Our One of our rules um, always, especially when it comes to thyroid, but even hormone replacement for that matter, uh, is you treat the patient, not the lab test. Uh, and I think that uh, a lot of patients get frustrated because doctors these days, whether you're an endocrinologist, primary care, whatever, nurse practitioner, they treat the lab test and not the patient. Uh, that's at least feedback we get all the time from people. Uh, so what what is your kind of overview of the of the lab work? Well, first off, you know, I'm very, I'm actually impressed that the endocrinologist did do a free T3. A lot of them pretty much only do a TSH and a free T4, but I'm glad that they did do a free T3. But a lot of these reference ranges for all the thyroid levels are really big. So a lot of people, even if they're having the symptoms, are still falling on perhaps a low end of normal. So, and I'll kind of, we'll kind of talk a little bit more specifically with that. But the TSH, that stands for thyroid stimulating hormone. So it's not really a hormone, but it's a stimulating hormone that's produced from your pituitary, your brain, in response to overall thyroid status. So that works technically in a negative feedback loop where if that TSH goes up high, you know, I've seen them up at 12s in the 30s. If that TSH is pretty high, out well, you know, well outside a reference range, that means that that thyroid function is really low. And now on that flip side of that is let's say somebody has a TSH of, you know, 0.006, that TSH is very low. That means that that person's thyroid function is too high. Now I would never dose someone's thyroid you know, prescriptions just based on a simple TSH. That's why it is good to get this free T4 and this free T3. But I do think sometimes people get a little, unfortunately, I don't know how to say it, but blown off by their doctors because they'll say, oh, well, your TSH is in normal range. The range for typically for TSH is 0.45 to four and a half. So here, you know, Laura is at 2.36. Doc might say, well, it's it's in range. So then they just kind of get blown off and then never get any kind of changes with medication or switching it or, you know, any kind of help. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, you know, um, this is something that happens, I think, all the time conventionally. Uh, as long as that TSH number is normal, or at least the other two are not abnormal, uh, there now granted she still has symptoms she 25 micrograms I mean that's a very very conservative dose to say the least uh, but yet she still has symptoms so like I said earlier you treat the patient not the lab test clearly she needs a dose increase but uh, to our point levothyroxine she asked she go from levothyroxine to synthroid levothyroxine to armor going from levothyroxine to synthroid is a lateral move that doesn't really change anything although some people we've you know uh we've heard patients say they feel better on synthroid than they do on levo or they feel better on tyrosine than they do on synthroid or they feel better on levoxyl than they do you know those are all basically t4 only medications uh tyrosine synthroid levothyroxine and levoxyl. Those are all technically the same types of things. But, you know, people say, oh, I feel better on this one versus that one. Um, we kind of just lump them into one category, which we're not huge fans of T4 monotherapy. And it could be the fillers and binders and excipients that the different manufacturers use could do well for others, could be more absorbable for somebody else. So, But really, like you said, it's completely a lateral move to go from levothyroxine to switching it over to Synthroid, you're still on that T4 only. Because the one thing that I would say when you're really picking up on this is that free T3 level. Now, like Dr. Mackey said, we don't want to always fixate on the numbers, but a free T3 of 2.9, I would say is low. It'd be much better if it were in the mid threes, 
she'd feel probably a whole lot better because in the whole uh, kind of physiology of it is that T4 will be converted to free T3. And free T3 is a very um, active molecule, very unstable, short, short half-life, like 24-hour half-life, but it has a lot of activity. So the goal for Laura is to get her T4 to convert to T3. Now, there's a whole bunch of lifestyle stuff that we could go into with that and dietary, but looking at it in terms of a prescription, if you just switch her from a T4 dose prescription to another, just a different manufacturer, T4 dose, there's probably not going to be a lot of change there in, in terms of raising up her free T3. Yeah, even if you cha- even if you increase the dose, um, she uh, her T if so she's on 25 micrograms of Levo, she goes to let's say uh, the next round up would be 37 micrograms of Synthroid or 50. You might not even do that. You might do that over two adjustments. Let's say they go to either 37 or that's half of you know. Uh, 37 is half between 12, uh, 25 and 50. So 37 is the next increment and then 50. Um, either of those, you know, you and I both know that that's probably not going to make her feel any better. Yeah. You might, you might have a little, cause that's the one thing is T4 needs to be com- converted in the peripheral tissues to become free T3. So just giving them more T4 sometimes to really get you down the rabbit's hole, that'll actually cause that T4, raising up the T4, instead of converting to free T3, it'll actually convert to reverse T3, which then is an inert molecule that blocks the T3 receptors. So in this case, I really think with her TSH, you know, technically in normal range, you know, at, you know, 2.36, her T4 really isn't that bad at 1.1. Her free T3 is too low at 2.9, that that's probably that free T3, which is why she listened to that podcast, Do You Have a Low Free T3 Level?, that's probably where it's coming from that we want to focus on either getting that T4 to convert more to the free T3 or actually raising up her T3 levels. Yeah. Now, uh, free T3 at 2.9, you know, to be honest, isn't too bad. I mean, it's I close like to it in the mid threes. Yeah, it's close to three. Uh, at least it's not in the low twos, like, you know, 2.3, 2.2, 2.1. That's very common. Uh, and that's where they. Uh, you know, they could have, it doesn't even matter whether TSH, their TSH could be low, could be high, could be in the middle, uh, and they might still have that low normal TSH. Now, from a medication standpoint, what you're trying to accomplish from medication, at least what you and I are trying to accomplish, is we want a low normal TSH, something, let's say, as a range, let's say 0.7 to 1.3. Yeah, I like 0.45 to 1.0. Yeah, okay. Sometimes up to 1.5, depending on the person. Like I said, we don't want to chase the numbers, but I would say that would be an optimal TSH for us because I don't necessarily want the TSH suppressed where a lot of patients, that just means you got to manipulate that dose. You want to have it in the, that, like you said, that low normal reference range. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like I said, we both like them preferably below the TSH below one. Um, that's, uh, you know, um, a good, a good ballpark to shoot for. And then we want that free T3 to be on the higher end of that reference range you know, the high mid threes to even the low fours. Uh, now, this is also where some of the controversy comes from when you do the testing. Uh, we want as new patients come in to see us or even existing patients, uh, we want them to test with their medication. There's a lot of things online in different groups where they say to skip your medication the day of the test. Uh, and when you're switching medications, let's say in this context, a simple thing for her to do would be to go from levothyroxine to armor. 
Uh, right. So that way with the armor, both are instant release, at least with the armor, she's getting some T3 uh, to see if it helps address some of her symptoms more accurately, which clearly, you know, uh, maybe maybe raising the Levo would rate would help her symptoms. Uh, in our experience, that's probably not going to happen because uh, as you alluded to, which, you know, we're only 10 minutes in and you already brought up reverse T3. So as her as her uh, uh, Levo dose keeps going up. Um, that's going to raise her reverse T3. Uh, once you get to about 75 to 150 micrograms of uh, any T4 only, especially of the instant release type, it's going to make that reverse T3 keep increasing, which then, you know, again, that's kind of a really popular metric that not a lot of people do. Uh, at 25 micrograms, do you think that her reverse T3 is an issue? What do you think her reverse not T3? Not at 25 micrograms, even at 50, it may or may not, but that. But like I said, it's not really addressing her symptoms by just raising up what she's already taking. So um, like you said about the dosing and then taking your blood test. So I'm sure that she took her blood test fasting on an empty stomach, no medication. That's usually how the endocrinologists do like it. Um, and I like to do it both ways. I want to see if you take your medication and then you do your blood draw, you know, four to six hours later, are you actually absorbing it? Because I've actually run into quite a few patients that have some digestive issues, didn't even know it, and they weren't even absorbing their medication. And then on other times, we'll do it completely fasting after 24 hours to see what residuals in your system. So we kind of go both ways, but I definitely wouldn't, you know, for when you're like Dr. Mackey said, when you're switching Laura's medication here, you know, one, I would definitely not have her do it on an empty stomach. I would have her take her medication. Yeah. Cause you have to, you have to accumulate a little data, uh, have a trend of what's happening based on the medication before you start making adjustments to that and knowing where, cause really what you're trying to do, you're trying to optimize that dose. We're, you and I are in the business of optimization. We're not in the business of just having people have normal lab values. We want them to feel better and then also have good labs at the same time. Uh, and I think that as we talked about, you know, uh, thyroid is more based on the numbers than it's based on the patient. Uh, and I think that that's not, you know, with a lot of things in medicine, that's not really the, the right way. It should always be based on the patient. Uh, it should not, the numbers need to play a role in your decision, cl clinical decision-making, but it shouldn't override how the patient feels. If the patient doesn't feel right, uh, you know, and that's why this thyroid stuff has become really popular is because conventionally, you know, patients run into dead ends all the time. Uh, and we're trying to, you know, open that up a little bit and realize and educate people that there is a lot of, now, uh, uh, speaking of options, uh, so T4, uh, T4 only, NDTs, so that's your armor, that's your nature thyroid, west thyroid, uh, MP thyroid. Right? Those have been around, at least armor's been around for probably 100 years by now. Uh, been around for a long time. There's been some uh, sourcing issues in the last few years with some of them. Uh, now, the third category of medication is the one that you and I prefer most of the time is what we just refer to as compounded thyroid. Uh, so um, with her, what do you think would be like a a possible uh, medication solution for her? I do think the compounded sustained release T4, T3 would be an excellent solution for Laura. That's one of my top shelves when we're going switching someone to a thyroid. But let's say that may not be available because that does come from a compounding pharmacy. Some practitioners aren't as familiar in the dosing with that and they may not have accessibility that. That I do agree that perhaps trying armor or a desiccated natural thyroid, 
So desiccated natural thyroid comes from pig thyroid. So it's basically a pig thyroid, but it does have a T4 and a T3 component to it. That could be an option for her. But what I found with a lot of patients that come in to see me that have done that, they end up getting really underdosed or sometimes overdosed because they're either taking too much or too little and they don't and it just doesn't resonate with them because those the natural desiccated porcine thyroid, you really do have to, you can't just write someone a prescription and say, okay, I'll see you in a year. You know, no, it's more like, I got to know how you, you know, how you do with that. We'll check in at about, you know, anywhere from six weeks to, you know, eight weeks to see where your levels are at and how you're feeling. And if we need to readjust that, that, you know, that is a process to switch someone from the medication they've been on. Here she is, Laura, for six years to something different. I do find that that compounded T4, T3, which is a, it's synthesized from plants where the, you know, the natural desiccated thyroid is a natural thyroid. It's coming from an animal, but the, it, it, the compounded T4, T3 is synthesized from plants to look like exactly like a T4 that we make and a triiurethyronine, a free T3 that are T3 that our own bodies make. So it is considered bioidentical. When you put in that sustained release component to it, it's a much more gentle way to transition someone that has been on a T4 mono dosing like Synthroid or Levothyroxine. Yeah. You know, see, this is where something that sort of seems simple, uh, there's so many nuances to, to these different classes of medications and some of the issues that you run into with each one of them. Uh, and one thing that happens with the Levo uh, or the Synthroid or the uh, you know, uh, tyrosine is that those are all instant release medications. So they do a very, I'm not even really sure why this is exactly, but they do a really good job of lowering your TSH right away, like immediately within a couple of days. Now she's on 25 micrograms, but her TSH as of her recent lab work is still 2.36. Um, she's not on a high enough dosage, uh, because, uh, She's only uh, her, she's only on twenty five micrograms, but her TSH is still basically what we would consider for your and I standards a a non optimized range, right? That you know, uh, and that that type of medication does a really good job of bringing that TSH down, and her numbers are still way too high. And she has the symptoms to go along to correlate with that, right? So she has, uh, even though her numbers are technically normal, right? But she doesn't feel normal. Um, you know, something needs to be adjusted there. And I think there's plenty of options. Like I said, either, you know, easeability from access for someone that, you know, for a practitioner that might not know how to con uh, prescribe compounded thyroid, the NDTs, uh, and those are easy because they're little tablets. Uh, they can be titrated up over time, uh, you know, in a very safe manner uh, that, um, you know, in some ways the patient sort of arrives at their uh, actual dose um, based on a titration schedule that the practitioner would, you know, help them with um, versus, oh, well, your labs are normal, so you're fine, right? Um, that's the part that we, you know, hear from people all the time. They're just, you know, sort of frustrated because they, they keep running to that same answer no matter where they go. So I do think because Laura has a low free T3 at 2.9, I would consider that, you know, low. And that's probably where a lot of those symptoms are coming from that just increase, like we said at the beginning, just to circle back, just increasing up that, you know, that levothyroxine, you could absolutely do that, run the test, see how she feels. Cause it's not about looking at the numbers, but it may not actually raise up that free T3 as opposed to doing a natural desiccated thyroid, which has 
the thing with the porcine thyroids, the pig thyroids, nature thyroid, armor, west thyroid, all those is they're a four to one mic, a four to one ratio of T4 to T3. So there's four micrograms of T4 to one microgram of T3. So in the old school languages, we called them grains, like one grain of thyroid, a half a grain of thyroid, two, three grains of thyroid. So you think about one grain of thyroid is 38 micrograms of T4 and nine micrograms of T3. She's on 25 micrograms of T4 right now. I could see where a practitioner that isn't used to transitioning that over might not be sure if they should start them off with the one grain, which is also equal to 60 milligrams, or start them with half. I could see where there would be a little bit of, um, you know, just because sometimes with some docs, they're busy. Here, here's a prescription, go and we'll do our yearly visit. So I can see where that, it does take a process and we work with our patients very closely whenever we change them any kind of new medication so that we can follow up, look at the labs, really look at their subjective information. So I know I'm being really wordy. I know I'm really talking a lot, but but I do think possibly trying maybe a porcine thyroid would be good for Laura or that, or that sustained release compounded T4, T3. That's probably where I would go where there's some kind of dosage for her, a medication that has a little bit of T3 in there probably would help her feel a lot better. Oh, well, then it comes down to what is the right amount. Um, switching the medication um, to you and I is sort of the obvious first thing. She's not on the right kind of medication. T4 monotherapy, patients don't, um, you know, some some feel, uh, we've had quite a few that have been on, I just had one a couple weeks ago. She'd been on Synthroid for over 20 years and she feels fine on it, right? I think that is few and far between. I think there's ones that are relatively stable. Uh, they do fine. Their numbers always come back fine. Uh, the majority, now granted, this is where it gets sort of down the rabbit's hole again, are all of their symptoms, and I do think that this happens a lot, a lot of thyroid patients attribute all of their symptoms to their thyroid only. And I don't think it's quite so easy to do that. Uh, you know, could be a, a, an adrenal issue, could be a metabolic issue, they could have insulin resistance, they could have some other things uh, that could be insulin resistance is basically like prediabetes. There could have some other things going on that is uh, manifesting sort of like a thyroid symptom, but you know, more medication might not solve that problem. Uh, maybe they have a weight issue. Maybe they put on some weight during COVID. Uh, you know, thyroid is not a weight loss medication. Uh, you know, uh, it can help sort of, but you're not going to go on thyroid and lose 30 pounds. It doesn't really quite, you know, in some cases that's possible, um, but usually that person's going to be, you know, drastically hypothyroid in order for and that to they happen. They needed that thyroid to correct their lower thyroid levels. Cause like you said, like Laura's a female, maybe she's menstruating, maybe she's losing iron. She could be anemic. So that's where sometimes having different, you know, we compartmentalize medicine so much. I go to my gynecologist for my periods, not to my endocrinologist, even though they're super heavy and nobody did a CBC to see if my iron's low. It's, you know, there's, we really got to kind of, and they both have to do with hormones, <laughs> but you see one for these type of hormones and another doctor for those type of hormones, who's looking at all the hormones. That, that's the part that has always kind of baffled me a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, great point you know, for so, sure. So it's interesting. You bring all that, that up. I'd love to kind of delve into some reasons why someone's T3 can be low. For instance, caloric restriction. When people go on re very restrictive diets, their T3 drops. Yeah. Well, we see a lot of, you know, a lot of women that are 
Not to pick on any of them, they're all working their tails off, and some of them are working, I think, a little too hard, not focusing enough on rest and recovery, uh, but literally, they are doing what they, we've all been told for the last 70 years is to eat less and exercise more. Uh, they figure they just have to you know, curb their calories and exercise a bunch, um, but if you do that for too long of a period of time, you're totally right, that uh, that free T3, it's almost really easy to spot. When you see a, a number, a free T3 level of like 2.3, uh, 2.2, 2.4 on that really low end of that reference range, uh, you can assume that they're probably engaging, especially if they're exercising on a regular basis, that 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 process is already, uh, in, has been initiated. And often you'll see that TSH at 0. 0.5, 0. 0.45, 0. 0.6. We're here in Laura's um, situation, you know, at a TSH at 2.36, it's probably not caloric restriction because usually you see that TSH drop and that T3 drop because the body's smart. It says, I'm in some kind of starvation lifestyle <laughs> that I'm going to try to reduce down my metabolism and try to conserve what I have. So you normally will see that even with intermittent fasting, which I do like, I notice with females, not so much with men, that if they intermittent fast really more than, you know, 16 hours, I'll see a little bit of a drop with that free T3 also. Well, eating dinner every day perpetually is not intermittent fasting. That's called starvation. Yeah, that's exactly. That's called starvation. You can't just eat one meal a day forever uh, and call that intermittent fasting. That's where the caloric restriction, pe- and I think for a lot of people, there's a really fine line between intermittent fasting and caloric restriction. Uh, most of what people do ends up being caloric restriction because they don't go through any refeeding process. Um, and that's where, like you said, you get this, uh, you get this compensation uh, mechanism by the hypothalamus that slows everything down. So you're not burning through a bunch of energy because you're not taking in calories. You're not taking in enough energy. So the body inherently wants to slow down all that, you know, that entire process. That's the, that's the person. And I'm sure our listeners are predominantly women. That's when you've been on a diet for anywhere from six to, you know, six to 12 weeks and your weight loss comes to a screeching halt, you know, three months in and you've been losing weight up to a certain point And all of a sudden you're not losing, it's not budging anymore. That is when your thyroid sort of officially drops and your body has put the brakes on. You know, that is the time where you actually need a refeed period. You need to increase. This is the part that nobody understands. That's where you need to increase your uh, caloric intake, uh, so you kind of reset that, you know, that part of your brain that wants to protect you from starving. Exactly. And also too, not sleeping at night. That I'll, I'll notice the thyroid levels drop down, whether it's because there's, you know, menopause or perimenopause or maybe just stress because they're really stressed and they can't sleep, which is another thing when you see a lot of mental stress on a body, like somebody's going through a particular situation that's really stressing them out. I'll see the thyroid levels drop from that as well. Well, uh, I mean, sleep is one of those things that we pay a lot of attention to, and we have some that struggle. I mean, they really struggle. We've tried lots of things, and they still struggle. Most of them, actually, their sleep improves significantly because we focus on that early on because you're totally right. Between cortisol and insulin, if you're not sleeping on a consistent nightly basis, uh, you are putting pressure on those other two hormones, which then indirectly is going to affect your thyroid and all that conversion of T4 to T3, which... Uh, this is a little uh, tidbit. Um, 60% of that conversion happens in your liver. Uh, that's relatively easy information to find. I think another 20% in your muscles and another 20% in 
uh, in the in the the microbiome in your in your colon. Uh, so if you uh, too many medications, uh, too much alcohol, too much caffeine, too much stress, your liver is going to be overburdened. Uh, too high high fructose corn syrup, all those kinds of things. Your liver does not function properly. Uh, now your thyroid is not going to be able to convert very well. Uh, so. Uh, you know, like I said, from an optimization standpoint, in this case, we would switch it and increase it simultaneously because your labs are not optimized. Like you said, low normal T- uh, TSH, high normal free T3. That's the relationship we want those numbers to have. She's kind of, uh, she's kind of like high normal TSH and middle of the road free T3. We want those numbers to be a little more uh, distinct or inverse related, inversely related to each other, which is kind of hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah, and then also get that background, the lifestyle. You know, look into her dietary, her supplementation, her sleep, her stress. You know, hormonal status as well, because that all ties in. So, just some other tidbits besides like, hey, my free T three is low. What do I do for for medication? Sometimes it's not just medication. Well, I think in this case, which is why we chose this mm-hmm. one, right? It's a simple enough one for us to read off. So, we, you know, but we can dive into and, uh, you know, you and I just, you know, talk about these different nuances because as simple as that is, there's a lot of nuances there. Um, like you said, though, I think she would do be very much suited for a compounded thyroid because that provides a lot of, a lot of versatility, a lot of dosing options on our side and the patient's side. We can independently, when you use uh, any of the commercial ones, Armour, uh, let's just say that, you know, the two she, she, she suggested, Armour or Levothyroxine, both of those are commercial. Uh, you can only go up or down with the with the Levo. You're only changing the T4. Uh, with the Armour, you have, like you said, four to one ratio, so 38 and nine. If you go up or down, you're changing both of those numbers at the same time. With compounded, what it allows you to do is the T4 and the T3, you can choose as a practitioner, you can, as a prescriber, you can choose any number you want. You can change those numbers without having to necessarily affect the other number. That gives you and I a tremendous amount of options when you're really trying to dial in those numbers because it, uh, let's be honest, it does matter. The better the patient feels, you know, they're going to have a better experience. Like, why is that not something to strive for as opposed to just having a TSH in the normal range? That makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. Makes no sense to me either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Really, you know, I do like the, you know, not to get me wrong, I, I really do like the natural thyroid. I do like the armors, the NP thyroids. When Nature Thyroid was available, I really liked that. But I, I can understand sometimes endocrinologists are really hesitant about that because there's been some real, I wouldn't say it's negative, but just because they say it's so strong because that T3 component in there, I have noticed a lot of patients say they went to it, they were way too underdosed, you know, they, that they didn't f- find anything and everything, you know, all their numbers went, you know, went off. And I have had other patients too that have said, oh, I took it and I got heart palpitations and that was because it was too high, you do have to be very careful when you're implementing a T3 dose. Even if it's a sustained release, which is more gentle, you take it, it, it rises up slowly and stays sustained in your system, or an instant release, which would be like a porcine thyroid where you take it and it just shoots up as high and then it levels out 
is you do have to be careful because the T3 can be really stimulating, especially for somebody with already a low free T3 and they've never been on a T3 type of medication. So that's why it is like Dr. Maggie said, you either titrate up, start slow, or what I like to do is, you know, start at a certain dose and then get some labs done, get some information and a follow-up consultation fairly quickly. But I do think for Laura, both options, you could go either way, the sustained compounded or the natural desiccated porcine thyroid. You know, like you said, I have a, I have a number of patients too that love their Synthroid. They've been on it for 20 plus years, but then there's a lot that don't. So it's really about treating the patient, not the prescription pad in their numbers on their labs. Yeah, well, um, uh, I, I just had a thought. Now I just lost it. Now I was going to say something and it uh, just slipped. Uh, but the... Uh, the transition or, you know, switching from, I, I do think in her case, uh, not to repeat myself, I do think that the NDT would be a simple enough option. Armor is one of those medications that everyone's have heard, everyone's heard of, um, but it is still instant release. Uh, and as you, as you mentioned, that instant release nature sometimes limits on how high of a dose you can actually get to because people start having issues with the sustained release, which is why you and I prefer. I know that there's a lot of kind of mixed information about the the sustained release compounded thyroid. Um, I think that those are always dosing issues, right? You've seen some of the dosing charts that come from some of the pharmacies. You know, if you're on uh, 25 micrograms of uh, uh, Levo, then you should be on this amount of an NDT and they don't even do the compounded part. Um, all three of those medications are completely different. They're so hard to convert that, um, that when we do it, we usually, you know, we usually, when we switch it, we sort of increase it at the same time within reason, of course, based on, like you said, all the, the pertinent information to that patient. Um, but that's, uh, you know, that's sort of the, the art piece to it, knowing on how to do that without putting them in any kind of risk or any kind of danger or right from the get go. The last thing you want to do is over medicate, over medicate somebody right off the bat. Right. So like I said, start low increase in smaller increments. Um, but you know, I, I've just heard from some, uh, um, some, uh, uh, patients that they're a little apprehensive about the compounded sustained release. But I think that most people have had a bad experience because most doctors don't know how to prescribe it properly. So it always comes down to a dosing issue as opposed in that context, because that's the one that you and I prefer the most, because I think it has the most, uh, it has the most advantage for the prescriber and the patient. Um, but if you try to match up those numbers, you know, Levo or Synthroid to that, it's uh, almost like you're going backwards in dose sometimes when you try to match up the numbers. You have to, you know, switch and increase kind of at the same time to know that if you if you put them on, a, uh, you know, 25 micrograms of Synthroid or Levothyroxine and 25 micrograms of uh, uh, of compounded sustained release T4, their TSH is going to go up. Well, it's, it's just a process. It's different. Everybody's different. I mean, we've been doing this for almost 20 years, so we've seen a lot. So it is a process, you know, it is a process. That's why you want to stay, stay in connected with that patient. And, you know, and I've been on sustained release compounded, you know, T4 and T3 for, oh my gosh, 15 years now, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, you know, and I've, you know, but I'll, I'll be the first to say, I do like that. I love the versatility that I can change somebody's T4 by a few micrograms or T3 up by an even a half a microgram if we need to. I love that versatility to be able to do that. But like I said, 
the porcine thyroids are good too. And it's a, you know, the accessibility to that. And even I think, I'm not sure about now because the pricing with the porcine thyroids has gone way up that I think it's actually pretty much par with the compounded, but it really, it really is a process. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think that, uh, you know, I think that's our, our take on this one. Uh, hopefully uh, this will be informative for, you know, I'm sure that there's probably thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people that are kind of in a similar situation because these kind of questions do come in a lot. Uh, so hopefully this will, this was helpful. Uh, we didn't really give a clear answer. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things to consider. We're just trying to dissect it and point out the things that we think are relevant. Um, I do think the simple thing for her would be to switch to an armor as she, as she kind of alluded to in her question. Uh, that would be, uh, in my mind, a good place, a simple transition to start. Uh, and then, you know, maybe if she finds the right kind of practitioner in the future, then possibly investigating, if need be, uh, a compounded, in the, you know, after that. But or I think NDT probably, uh, she's on a low enough dose. So, you know, you know, if she just got a little bit more of one of those other ones that can uh, include the T3, she might, or her symptoms might start improving. And there's lots of practitioners across the country that know how to dose armor and natural porcine thyroid. I think, like you said, there's not as many with the compounded, so that might be a little bit more of a struggle to find. But, you know, like I said, it's a process, but if her endocrinologist has no idea how to prescribe a porcine desiccated thyroid, then I would go see another practitioner. I wouldn't be their guinea pig. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think that's what happens. I don't know for sure. This is just my thought that, you know, they try those things and they try to match up based on some of those, you know, those conversion charts are not good. Uh, that literally you're, you're going backwards in the dose as opposed to switch and increase. You have to account for that as you're making those adjustments. Uh, that's why I think that collectively there's kind of a bad rap for what we think is the best one. Uh, and I think patient experience, um, to me, that would come down to dosing more than anything else. Uh, so hopefully this was helpful. Uh, we will uh, um, uh, call it a wrap and uh, uh, we'll... Call uh, it a wrap. Yeah, we'll see you on the next one. Take <laughs> right, care. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at ProgressYourHealth.com.